All right, well, today's conversation is really for all of you parents out there with kids in comp sports, because we're on the line with Dr. Travis Dorsch. He's the Associate Professor of Human Development and Family Studies at the Utah State University up in Logan, Utah. Uh, Dr. Dorsch, thank you for joining us today. And we're talking about uh, how parents can slip into the trap of treating their kids like commodities when it comes to youth sports. Now, what in the world are we talking about? It's interesting. It's a good question. You know, one of the things we're seeing, I think, is is what I like to call this trickle-down professionalization in youth sport. And as a byproduct of that, parents are being asked to, uh, forced to, feeling like they need to uh, spend more money on their kids' youth sport experiences. You know, the days, I think, of dropping $25 for my kid to play in a rec program, if I want my kid to go on and, and achieve in the sport, are over. Um, you know, so parents, in many cases, are, are telling us that they're spending anywhere from 2% to about 10%, believe it or not, of their gross annual income. So, for instance, a family uh, with two working parents who you know, is very much in the middle class, let's say they're making between eighty dollars and $100,000, they might be spending between eight dollars and $10,000 a year on one kid's wow. sport. Yeah. So, you know, that adds up quickly when you, when you think you know, some families have two, three, or even four children participating simultaneously. It's, um, it's an investment. And I think when we, when we use that word, investment, uh, parents in some cases sort of want that return on the backside, whether that's, you know, again, they're, they're going to be starting in high school or they're going to get a college scholarship or, you know, wow, are they going to go play professionally? What is going to be the return on our family's investment for my child? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we, we have two kids. Both of them were in comp sports. And I think for a lot of families, we don't, at the time, you don't add it up. You're not really thinking about, you're just like, oh, well, they need to go to this camp. Okay, they're on this team. So this is what the fees are. Um, and it just starts adding up. And I don't think parents really are thinking about how much money am I actually spending on this one kid in this one sport? And yeah, how, I mean, how does how much does it, that cost over time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a it's an interesting exercise to play as, as a parent or as a family. Um, I'll share a little anecdote with you, uh, a family that I'm doing some research with. I'm follow, I've been following this family over the course of the past uh, eight or 10 years since their child started playing uh, at the very introductory levels of sport as a, as a five-year-old. And this, this youngster has become a really uh, a regionally ranked, uh, a nationally representative uh, tennis player over the past 10 years. And I had this very conversation uh, with, with his dad. And uh, you know, as part of the research, I wasn't really asking them to, to uh, share any of their financial outlay uh, on their child's sport. But he said, you know, as an exercise, I wanted to go in and actually add it up and all the, all the miles on the car, all the hotel stays. Hmm all the equipment purchases, all the tournament entry fees, all the court time, all the private coaching, uh, everything that goes into it. And he said, I was shocked. He said, I was spending upwards of ten to $12,000 a year. And it was just sort of bleeding out of our family budget without really any accountability. We didn't really know this was happening. We just knew that we were spending money on this experience. So I think if you're not careful, if you're not purposeful, uh, that, that this can happen to an everyday, you know, kind of middle-class family. And, and that's a lot of money to, to most yeah. American families, I think. Right. And then you that brings in a whole nother issue of just, you know, for families that can't afford it, are they just being priced out and they're not getting the same opportunity or experiences because they don't have the room in the budget to pay for these fees and these costs. And then that becomes another whole issue of just what's fair and not fair and income and balance and all of that. 
Yeah, in a word, yes. I mean, I, I think there's a number of families in, in a number of sports that are getting priced out. And this is something that uh, the folks at the Aspen Institute have been looking at, uh, Project Play Initiative. They're doing a great job looking at some of these uh, what we might consider sort of traditionally, you know, low to low middle income type communities. They've done some work in Mobile, Alabama, uh, Buffalo, New York, Baltimore, Maryland, looking at this very question. Uh, you know, if, if you've if you've got a, a youngster who's an emerging uh, elite lacrosse player or hockey player, right? Um, this can be very expensive. It's very different than, you know, my child plays soccer and all he or she needs is uh, you know, a pair of shoes and a ball to go to the park at the recreational level. Uh, or my child, you know, needs a basketball and they're going to go down and play at the community hoop. We're not doing that as much anymore. These, these sort of free play opportunities aren't there as much anymore. And everything seems to be now um, elite and adult run and adult organized. And that's where it starts to get expensive because instead of playing, you know, against the kid down the block or in the neighborhood over, we're now playing against kids in, in Vegas, in Orlando, in Los Angeles, right? And um, and that gets expensive quickly. And that's I think that's where the commodity idea comes in because, uh, Travis, do, do do the kids want this? Oh, like, is this is this something that the kids are, are going for or is this something that the parents want? For their kids. Well, in many in many cases, in many cases, the answer to both is yes, and, and, and here's why. So I have a, I have a four year old, and and she loves skiing, and she's a pretty elite skier for her age. That sounds sort of awkward even to say that about a four year old, but she she trains with the ski team, and and she does you know all of these things. And where where does the line between her wanting to do that and me wanting her to do that start or end? Right? I mean, uh, no four, five, six year olds are, or maybe very few, are coming to their mom and dad saying, "I want to do this, and I want to be elite at it." But when you see a child who starts something and tries it and has a little bit of success, um, and then you give them more opportunity to learn and to have that success, and you, you kind of keep feeding them these opportunities, um, then where does that child sort of take over that dream? And I think that's where, at least in my parenting, and when I talk to parents in, in the communities that we visit with, I think that's what we talk about most is let's make sure that this is the kid's dream. And you're standing there behind them as a support system for them, not out in front pulling them along, you know, with a rope and dragging them uh, along the way. So make sure it's the kid's dream and, 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 and not the parents. And I think that's where this idea of commodity comes in. Because when you're a supportive parent standing behind your child ready to, you know, help him or her uh, at any turn of the road, you're okay with failure. You're okay with the child saying, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. You're okay with whatever comes your way. But if you're investing so heavily and this is a dream that you have and then you see a little bit of failure or the child says, you know what, I'm not into this anymore. Now we're in this sort of you know, cost sunk fallacy where it's like, well, we've already put all this time and effort and energy and money into it. Now you're going to tell me you don't want to play. Right. Uh, and these are the conversations that then lead the child to, you know, to burn out and to feeling a lot of uh, externalized pressure. Yeah, that was going to be a question I have, Travis. What are some good questions parents should ask themselves to know if it's more their dream than their kids? Other than I mean, the fact that sure, the kid wants to quit. Sure. Would I be, would, would, yeah, would I be sad if my child decided not to do this tomorrow, uh, I think is, is a great starting point. And, and you know, being, being sad about it or maybe being angry would be a better word, right? Because we can have some we can have some sadness, right? It's, it's sort of like lo- losing a, a dog or a loved one. If your child, you know, has been playing a sport and they don't want to anymore, you can, it's okay to be sad. But, you know, would you be upset, I guess, is maybe a better way to frame the question. Would you try and convince them or try and change their mind that they should, that they should continue to play? Um, because ultimately this needs to be about the child's experience, right? And, right. and we as adults, right, parents, coaches, administrators who, who sort of put on youth sport, 
we need to be creating environments that, that help our children develop into positive human beings. And, and part of that is being a good athlete, right? Don't, don't get me wrong there. They want to have success. They want to feel efficacy in what they're doing. But they also need to learn some life lessons that will carry them beyond the playing field. And the reason that's important is because even if your child is the best, and, and you know, I, I was able to play uh, briefly at the professional level, but even if your child is, is the best, their they're, sport's going to be done at some point. Right. For most kids, that's between 11 and 13, sadly. For a lot of kids, it's at 18 when they're done in high school. For some lucky ones, it's at 22 if they get to play in college. And for the very few, maybe it's into their 20s or 30s or maybe even early 40s. But at some point, sport is gone. So when all of that is over, what are the lessons that your child has been left with? And I think that's where parents kind of need to focus their attention early on, especially. Yeah, it seems to me like it's an identity issue. I think parents, sadly, some parents, their identity is wrapped up in their kids' success and I think it's really worth talking about what is success. So parents be looking in the mirror and being honest about maybe some of the some of the insecurities that they've brought into adulthood and not pushing them down to their kids, uh, helping their kids to understand that their identity is not tied to their performance. Because if it was, then um, at some point they're gonna they're gonna lose themselves in their sport. Because like you said. Every, every athlete, and I t we, we tell our kids this, every athlete at some point is not going to be good enough. And I, th I think the lucky ones are the ones that learn that earlier, <laughs> early enough to move on to something else that they're good at. Well, you're right on. It's a really important point and a point that I think a lot of parents don't have the foresight um, to think about. But how we define success is super important. And it's not always a conversation we have with our child. It's what are you cheering for? What kind of questions are you asking, right? So when you're on the sidelines at your child's, let's say, basketball game, you know, are you, are you cheering loudest when they score or when they make a great pass or when they play good defense and take a charge um, or when they're a good teammate on the bench? Like, what, do you, what are you supporting? Because our, our kids pick up on that. They know real quickly what mom and dad care about, even if we don't tell them what we care about, right? So how do we define success for them? And, and, and the second part of that comes in, the types of questions that we ask them uh, on, on and after the playing field, you know, in the car, around the dinner table, um, all of these things. You know, as the first question, let's say you miss your you miss your child's game. Is the first question, did you win when they come in the door? Right? Because I mean, that's great. You're interested in their experience and, and you care, um, but it it tells them real quickly that what you care about is whether or not they won. Or you know, how many points did you score? Uh, you know, these are the kinds of questions that we ask. I think first and foremost, as as parents when we could be asking questions that really engage our kids in, in the experience, like, hey, what'd you learn today? Uh, what did you have most fun doing? Because those aren't, you know, those aren't like one word, yes, no questions, or, you know, I scored 10 point type, type responses, but they engage the child in, in taking some ownership of the experience, in communicating what mattered to them, what they enjoyed most, what they learned, um, these kinds of questions. And it sounds kind of sappy. And, you know, I have parents all the time that tell me, oh, well, you know, that, that's great for like the recreational kid, but my kid's going to go play in college. So, you know, I need to learn how to be hard on them. Um, they don't need to be mutually exclusive. You know, again, I've, I've participated all through from the, from the youth levels all the way through uh, the professional levels. And I think how we define success and how we define having fun is most important, right? And, and, and having fun can be winning. They can be synonymous, but they don't have to be. And that's an important distinction. Okay, well, we're going to pause the conversation here because we want parents to be able to stop and talk about this. We'll put questions down below. Parents, we encourage you, mom, dad, get together, maybe even start having this conversation with your kid, because I think this could um, really help you to have 
better awareness of maybe where you've gotten off track. So I encourage you to use those questions to talk about this and then join us next time because we're going to pick up with Dr. Travis Dorsch and continue this conversation on your kids as commodities in sports.